where it all starts is connection and human connection with the people you're striving to serve and the stakeholders in the area, which I think is very similar to all forms of innovation. Welcome to the Index Podcast, where we chat with professionals about tactics for continuous learning and professional growth. My name is Thomas Cotter. I'm one of the co-founders of Index. Quick shout out for Index. Index is now in a public beta on the App Store. If you go to getindexindx.com, you can download the app. Today, we have Marisha Koskielski, I always say your name incorrectly, who's a healthcare entrepreneur and a fellow ND grad, who's one of my classmates, who I'm thrilled to welcome today. Marissa, welcome. How'd I do on the last name? It was pretty close. Thank you <laughs> for having me. It was Koskielski, ah. but you were, you were very close. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'll, I should have practiced that better, but my pronunciation needs work. I'd love to hop into to your background a little bit. You have a fascinating story. Feel free to go in as much depth as you'd like in terms of before I met you, how you got to Notre Dame and then when we met and then what you're working on now. So I was born and raised in South Bend, Indiana, which is right in the shadow of the Golden Dome. So in many ways it felt natural or it was a natural progression for me to land at Notre Dame. I felt called to Notre Dame by its mission that our education there would become service to justice. Well, I was an undergrad, I studied math and neuroscience, and I had the opportunity to graduate after my junior year uh, and go into the ESTEAM program, which is the same master's program that, or where I met you, um, and study entrepreneurship, particularly in medicine. And I really wanted to do this program because in undergrad, I wanted to combine these theoretical mathematics um, principles with my neuroscience research and compassionate care medicine to actually impact our community. And I didn't have the tools to, to be able to combine those or do that. Also, Notre Dame doesn't, didn't have a major where I could combine and do that. So STEAM provided me um, the opportunity to combine my interest and really learn about human-centered innovation. And that's where my fire for entrepreneurship really started. And that year was a complete whirlwind and uh, tested a lot of different ventures, failed on some, uh, and some are still kicking. So while I was in esteem, I founded Enlightened Mobility, which is a health tech company uh, geared to diagnose and treat neuromotor abnormalities. And that was inspired by uh, having a neuromotor abnormality and losing my ability to walk throughout high school. And during that time, I created my own uh, walking technology to help me regain my ability to walk. So that's where I, I received the inspiration for that company. And it's still, it's still ch uh, kicking and chugging along. So not quite a success yet on the books, but uh, a success, I would say, for it being, what, almost four years later, and it, it's still rolling. Uh, also, when I was in esteem, I had the opportunity to be on the founding team um, of a company called Three Spine that has the first total joint replacement for the low back. Essentially, it's a knee replacement for the low back, but it's a breakthrough technology and have been working on uh, getting that approved here uh, in the United States uh, for our patients. So it it has been a, a fun time to be in the medical device or health tech innovation space, but it's also been a, a whirlwind. So it's been, I, I would say a steam started and I haven't stopped running since. Uh, it's been, it's been fun. <laughs> Well, I, I think staying alive is success sometimes. Uh, one, one, one thing I, I'd love to dig deeper in, and I, I have admiration for you on a lot of characteristics, but in innovation in hardware and healthcare in general, right? Um, I've been more on the software side where you can build something, you can put it out there, test it, see how people react to it. And that's different in healthcare. You need a prototype with real materials, you know, atoms, not bits. 
get approvals, make sure something you're putting in front of patients isn't risking their health. And so maybe going back to Enlighten and using that as an analogy to pull it out, maybe telling people a bit more about, about what it is, because I know I have some of the background. What what does that innovation process look like? What are the challenges when you have to get the mechanical prototyping as well as the potential regulation hurdles? What does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And so many people are daunted when they hear anything that has to be approved by the FDA. Uh, From an investment perspective, occasionally it makes sense. But I would encourage people to not be daunted um, by that. Where it all starts is connection and human connection with the people you're striving to serve and the stakeholders in the area, which I think is very similar to all forms of innovation. Uh, Within health, Healthcare. There's a lot of other aspects at, at play. You have to deal with biology and psychology uh, to understand and develop whatever that hardware or software is going to be for those patients. Because now software is a medical device. Enlighten is in that space now too, where we have software, but it technically is still a device. And I think you know the way Enlighten approached it. I'm not sure if it, it's different than a lot of um, other medical device startups, but it's definitely different than the large healthcare companies. And every single step of the way, we are working with patients, clinicians, and caregivers. So initially, that was identifying the problem and accompanying patients throughout their journey. But now it is putting their ideas back in front of them with, in, in just in human form <laughs> or physical form um, or digital form for them to, to test and give feedback on. And it's just rapid prototyping, which is similar to you, but... Um, or similar to software, but maybe it just take a little bit longer to to kind of incorporate all those things. Now, when it comes to the regulatory side of things, again, people are daunted, but it's also an opportunity to be creative. Now, I'm not saying go against the regulations by any means, but the regulations provide you a framework that you can be creative in. And so what can you do even before your technology is going through the FDA clinical data wise is you can do a lot and then use that in your regulatory submission. So at Enlighten, we've been really trying to do that in terms of shorting the regulatory approval timelines by pre-product doing clinical research and data and still presenting it to the FDA. So there's a lot of opportunity to be creative. Um, It's not something that people should be afraid of, but it it is challenging from an investment perspective because people are afraid of the FDA. (laughs) No, I'd love to dig. I'd love to dig deeper on that. Before we do, just to simplify it for the audience, could you walk me through, I know we used to do these when we were in school together, a storyboard of somebody without the Enlightened Walker, another product, and then a storyboard of, what the vision is when that's fully built out and approved for them just to kind of show. Cause one thing that I'll speak to, and then maybe you can add some detail is at the same time, maybe there is additional risk. Maybe there's more capital needed, but the potential upside and the magnitude of impact that you can have, I think, I mean, no offense to, to software apps uh, and even what we're doing, I think it can be, you know, tenfold when you really get something right. So what, what are those user stories look like with and without? Absolutely. So I'll highlight uh, or give an example of our very first tech to market for Enlighten, and that is our neuromotor diagnostic technology. So standard of care right now, a child is born and they they get a whole workup of tests at birth, typically about 30 tests uh, to screen for medical conditions that may be alarming. If everything looks good on those 30 tests, child goes home, and then we start marking our development in terms of can you you lock eyes with a baby does the you know baby start making noises on time can the baby crawl can they walk and then 
into adulthood, you just make sure that you keep on progressing or staying the same. And if you either miss a developmental milestone or if you start, stop losing your ability to walk, say in my case, then it's really alarming and you have to do invasive testing. Now, what that could mean, and we all know somebody who's had a brain tumor or cerebral palsy, or they find out late in life that they have a genetic condition that could have, well, could have been caught earlier if we had technology to do so. We, we see these terminal cases that come up because people have those missed milestones or decrease in function. So that's current standard of care. Now, with our Enlightened's neuromotor diagnostic technology, a baby is born, and just like they get the 30 other tests at birth, we have a test for them at birth where they are laid on a mat. The mat collects a tremendous amount of data. It triangulates the data, sends it through um, our AI, AI software, and it is detecting patterns of variability that are not, or movement variability that are not detectable to the human eye. And so after two minutes of data collection going through the software, you get a read of normal versus abnormal. If they have an abnormal reading, then you go into that invasive neuromotor screening, um, such as having a sedative MRI or a genetic workup. So then what we're really talking about is, hey, we're, this child may have a brain tumor at birth. Can we treat it now versus treating it when they're 10 and they have symptoms? Or they have a genetic condition, we catch it at birth, and now we have gene therapy drugs that we can treat it versus them having a condition mm -hmm. that's, or they become symptomatic in their 60s. So our, our opportunity here is huge. I mean, we're, we're talking about life versus death, or we're talking about being functional versus not functional. Or if you do have a lifelong condition that there are therapies, uh, both physical therapy, as well as genetic or medication therapy to increase quality of life. So we're, we can have a huge trajectory change um, in our patients. So that's our very first technology that we're bringing to market. We're almost there few more months and, and, and we'll be there. It's in, it's been <laughs> tremendously successful. Um, and the data is really encouraging in our, our pilot studies. And so we're, we're excited and we're in our quote unquote daunted, re daunting regulatory path right now. Um, so in a few months we should be commercial on that. That's, that's super exciting. It, it actually reminds me there, there was a recent podcast and that's like the best, which I know is a podcast we've enjoyed. And it's, it's in my index. If anyone's interested, he, he had the Spotify CEO, Daniel Ekon, and he actually was talking about healthcare and he gave the analogy of, you know, a 1990s, 1980s car where you drive until you hear a clunky noise and the future of healthcare and a lot of hardware is that kind of preventative measuring where you can signal something ahead of time where right now in my modern day Toyota, I get signaled to that something's wrong and I should check it out beforehand. Um, one thing that I get really excited about and everyone, anyone who knows me will laugh when I, when I say this is something like a whoop or a Garmin or an Apple watch whoops, my favorite. Cause it's 24 seven monitoring gets me really excited thinking about uh, having a lot of information ahead of time where people can not only own their own health and control it, but also when something does go wrong, you have more information to look at at what might have changed. I'm curious whether, I mean, it could be in the enlightened vein or outside it, what gets you really excited thinking about what will come or could come in healthcare and wellness and people taking better care of themselves using technology? Uh, 
I was hoping you'd ask me this question because I, there's a lot within health tech that I'm really excited about right now. Uh, I mean, you hit it on the nose. The wearable space is really hot right now. And it, it's interesting because it's putting the power back into the user's hands with when it comes to their own healthcare. Um, something that I've been following a bit is the continuous uh, glucose monitors. So I don't know if you know uh, Levels, for example. They just uh, got a lot of, or they just closed a large uh, financing. And it, that that's also going to be interesting because that's the next level um, of healthcare or Calibrate is another one where they're trying to um, combine medicine with uh, health behavior weight loss and also just had a large financing that closed. So it'll be interesting to see um, what we see there in terms of both investment and success, both clinical success as well as adoption. Uh, and I think we're seeing a shift when it comes to, to health tech across the board of trying to put the power back into the consumer's hands. So another area I'm really intrigued by, it's hot right now, we'll see how long it lasts, is insure tech within healthcare. And you know, patients demanding, I want my physician's time and we need to figure out a different way that insurance uh, for insurance to work so that they can get value-based healthcare and see any physician they'd like. So one company um, I'm intrigued by is Sidecar Health and they, it's actually great for, for startups in terms of pricing for your employees. Um, so I would, would highly recommend in that regard. But say, I mean, say you're a young, um, you know, mid-20s, uh, healthy individual, and you um, work with Sidecar for your insurance, um, for your health insurance. You're going to pay, say, $200 a month for, say, 20 grand. I'm making up these numbers, by the way. Um, but 20 grand in coverage you get a sidecar um, card. And when you go to the doctor, any doctor that you want, you say that you want to pay cash for your visit and you pay them right there. And then that's a huge value to um, the healthcare, the the providers as well, because they know exactly how much money they're, they're getting for their visit, which they love. They don't have to wait for insurance to deny. And then you have to audit, go back and forth. Um, so providers love it. Patients love it because they can, can go and see whomever, whomever they like, it, it, it doesn't matter. So that's one example um, of what's happening in SureTech. But you're starting to see some different models come out, um, which it's been a while to see. So we'll see. it'll be interesting to see where the adoption goes on those. Uh, but I'm definitely interested uh, within wearables and in SureTech right now. Yeah, no, that, that that's super exciting. And I, I think the, the two most interesting spaces to me are I, I call them the cousins of education and healthcare, which is learning and wellness. Uh, learning is definitely what Index is is focused on, kind of decoupling away from some of the aspects of traditional education and letting people own their own learning is really what we're going after. Um, I have a few more questions for you, but I, I know there were some things that you wanted to reverse on me. I'm wondering if now would be a time to... Let you let you shoot a, shoot a couple at me if anything pops up. I'll I'll throw the same question back to you. What are you excited about right now besides besides index, which I'm also very excited about. <laughs> I so on the on the wellness side, I I, I talked I'll talk further about Whoop. Um, I Whoop uh, levels I'm aware of. Um, I think in general, direct to consumer tools that give people both the knowledge and the capability to change behavior, I think is super exciting. Um, 
I've had my own journey with health over the years. And just, I think the first level was understanding how certain things affect your body. And in order to understand, you have to be able to see, right? Um, and I think that's something like a whoop showing how, you know, sleep when you go to bed affects your heart rate, affects the quality of your sleep. That kind of thing is super exciting to me. And then like you referred to something like levels and not, I, I remember I listened to this podcast on levels talking about how for some people in their beta, um, they would have oatmeal and glucose would go through the roof and through for other people, uh, it would be completely fine. Glucose would main, remain stable. And I think that that healthcare personalization and ownership of the individual is something that excites me on, um, in the similar vein of index in the learning space. I just think in general, more direct consumer community ways of learning are, are, are very cool to me. There's a few companies out there that do cohort based education. Like there's a really cool company called Maven that Andreessen Horowitz backed that I think they do cohort based learnings where an instructor puts something on and you can learn within a group of people. Um, I look at just the availability of information in general, knowledge, things that are coming out. And I'm excited to see what learning looks like five to 10 years from now. Um, Cause I think it is imperative. And I think there's a lot of innovation that's going on right now while the traditional education system starts to stagnate a little bit. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be fascinating to see where we're at. I think, I mean, you can learn almost anything on the internet right now and you can be, you can, you can teach yourself, whether that's about your own body and physiology or about a new career you want to start. And that's tremendously exciting. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, uncovered talent emerge in in the next um, couple of years. And I'm, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. And I think it all comes down to, you know, there are certain ingredients we know that that matter. Um, One thing that I get very passionate about is focus when it comes to learning software, right? So many of the tools we use are built to steal our time and attention, and they don't have to be. It's really just because the business model of those tools is mostly um, a lot of times to sell advertising, um, which it makes sense to have people spend more time on an app if you're trying to sell ads. And I think there's going to be a lot of business model innovation that allows people to build software with a different intentionality that gives somebody an impact or an outcome versus an engagement. And a a quick example of that is a company called Neva. They're actually, they're a Google competitor. So they're going after Google and search, except you pay five bucks a month for ad-free search, unranked search, right? 10 years ago, I think people would have said that was ridiculous, but I think it's a sign of the times that people understand that anything they're not paying for has a cost. And there are opportunities for business models to be introduced that um, people pay or they pay in some form, but the incentive alignment is on the business to innovate for that customer versus the customer being an advertiser. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by that, too. I think we're, we're seeing that across the board. People, people do not want to be bombarded. They want to have intentional time. That's for sure. Okay, one more question for you. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I, we can talk all day long. Um, all right, so you just made this huge shift from safety into the startup space. I'm not sure if I've known safety that much uh, personally in my career journey, but I'm curious, not necessarily about the shift. It could be the, this pivot into index for you, but what is the riskiest thing you've ever done? 
riskiest thing I've ever done? Um, that's, that's a really good question. I, I think, well, I think you, you caught me off guard there for a sec. I think pro professionally, um, well, I'll, I'll give, I'll give a different answer and then, and then I'll speak to the professional risk. Uh, originally, I think the original risk that I took that taught me that risks are worth taking is I went to school in Minnesota to play football at a school called Carleton college. And it wasn't a huge risk, but at the time I was 18, all of my family was in Boston and it was a risk because I didn't know anyone. It was a new environment. Um, there were safer options that I had. So relatively it was a risk, but it taught me that the only way that you can learn and grow is through that kind of risk taking. Um, and I think that's something that uh, when thinking about with Susie, who's my co-founder and going full-time on index, speaking with people like yourself around the, the benefit and the joy and the lessons learned from that risk that it, it, it lets you know that it's worth taking. Absolutely. I think something I wish I would have known back at the time is that doing a startup while it is risky, it's not as risky as you think you're working on something that you're no. so excited about and you can live a normal life and you don't have to make these insanely toxic sacrifices. I think all those things are kind of glorified back to us when we were back in school. And I, I don't think it's as risky. I think when you're working on something that you're on fire for, that gets the right thing to do. I totally agree. And one segue into, into my last question for you is, I mean, anything that accelerates your pace of learning, I think is worth it. I think we live in such a dynamic world that if you're getting comfortable with what you already know, things are changing too quickly and you should be in a position where you're learning. And that's not always starting a company. It's just the role you're in, I think, should force you to learn and evolve, which is a good segue to, I'm curious to close out in the spirit of index, what are you learning about now? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Any recommendations for people? Um, what, what comes to your mind there? What's what's your content diet look like? Uh, yes, I am very. I'm a user of Index. In full disclosure, I'm very grateful for Index because I'm. I think I'm taking um, my curiosity to kind of the next level and being more intentional with it. But I am a regular on a few things. Um, I love the All In podcast. Just some good old banter. Um, that's that's. I would say the my, I, I indulge in that one. Um, you already mentioned it. Invest like the best. I see it on yours. You see it on mine, um, on, on index. You got me onto, um, acquired the acquired podcast. Love it. Um, I, and to round up podcasts, I am also a big fan of unlocking us and dare to lead by Brene Brown. She has amazing people on there. Um, and she's also amazing that she interviews that touch on humanity besides uh, or underneath business. And I love that because I think there are a lot of lessons to learn on, on how to lead, but also how to innovate um, from those conversations. So I really appreciate listening to her. I listen to those when I run on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> That's um, some of my favorites. And then another thing that I do almost daily is um, I read strictly VC and I, I love seeing what's hot in, in the market. I also enjoy seeing who is backing certain deals. And when I see some of the smaller funds that I've either received capital from um, or have friends at or larger 
firms that I have friends um, at as well. I always get excited when, when they make a debut there. But that's fun for me to just kind of keep tabs on on what's going on outside of my own research um, within not just the, the health space, but um, other areas that, that always have opportunity to overlap. Um, but those those are my favorites. <laughs> what's in your index? I already know, but let's let's go some <laughs> to the top. <laughs> um well i i was gonna say there's we definitely have overlap between the all-in podcasts which is incredibly popular i've I've learned from just really a bunch of different people our last guest brennan quinn mentioned the same thing i love invest like the best and acquired um i haven't listened to Brene brown but that's been referenced to me so I'll, i'll be sure to check that out uh i think the the last thing that i can throw a plug for that's something recent is i i've been incredibly business focused in my content that I've had the Huberman lab podcast recommended to me a few times and I've just started one. Um, and, and I like it a lot. I think spending some time to learning about health learning and kind of digging deeper there and some of the science of it, I've enjoyed. Well, that'll be on my list after this. <laughs> I was going to say, check it out, check it out. Um, yeah. Well, I think that takes us to our time today, Marissa. I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to talk with us today. I love your story. I'm super excited about what you're doing. Um, before we wrap up, any if anyone listened to something today that inspired them, made them interested, how, how can they reach out to you? What's the best way to get in touch? Um, and maybe say, hey, if someone you gave someone an idea today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think. Probably my email or my cell phone. LinkedIn, um, Marissa, and I'm like LinkedIn. I for, <laughs> I yeah, forgot about like the LinkedIn. most popular <laughs> business app. But Marissa at LightMobility.com, Marissa Kashelski on LinkedIn. Um, just do your best at spelling my last name. You'll probably get there. There aren't very many of us <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy to talk anytime. I'm I'm here because of so many other individuals that lifted me up and continue to lift me up and including you, Thomas. And so if there's anything I can do to help the next person in line um, or to, to brainstorm some really fun ideas or start a company, you know where to find me.